Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. Welcome to a very special episode of Ride Around the Road. You're not going to believe this, everybody. We're up to episode 132 and we are celebrating the release of Our Country Christmas by beautiful Australian authors. Now, we are only in September as we record, but Christmas is coming around quickly. We've got The Drover Comes Home for Christmas by uh, my very good friend, Darry Fraser, okay, set in 1889. We've got The Six Rules of Christmas by Penelope Janu, who hopefully will be on the podcast soon with some of her writing as well. Newborn Baby for Christmas by Fiona Lowe, who, as we speak, I think she's overseas riding her bike in all these wonderful places and making me all jealous. A Tale of Three Christmases by Eva Scott, uh, turning her small farm into a B&B, which has always been a bit of a dream of mine. And finally, The Christmas Wish by Jackie Underdown. Now, Jackie's on the podcast with me today and she's sharing uh, all about her diverse heroines so it's really exciting to be able to chat to her and celebrate the release of our country christmas at the same time uh, if you haven't grabbed a copy i think you can pop down to big w and grab it i've got mine off kindle australia oh sorry off amazon australia where did i get kindle from uh, and it's 9.99 so if you haven't already make sure you grab a copy Welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today we're talking to the beautiful Jackie Underdown of Gladstone in Mid-North Coast, Queensland. Good afternoon, Jackie. Good afternoon, Mel. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, now we're up to about take 10, everybody, so bear <laughs> with us as we keep, one of us keeps mucking things up and unfortunately it's me. Uh, now, Jackie is a best-selling romance author here in uh, Australia and she's published over a million words. Uh, she has 12 or so novels to her name. And she's agreed to come on and talk to me this afternoon about what it takes to be a, I guess, a long-term author uh, rather than an overnight success. So, Jackie, congratulations on everything you've achieved so far. I know you've been writing for a while and that you've only started publishing in the last five years, um, but you certainly have some credits to your name. Uh, tell us a little bit about the journey that got you to this stage because I know it hasn't been easy. No, it definitely hasn't been easy and um, a journey that I've given up on many times. But I said to myself um, a long time ago that once I realised it was a long-term game, I said, you've got 10 years and 10 books to make it. So I'm 10 years and 15 books <laughs> and I can't say I've made it yet, but I'm starting to feel the momentum only now. So, yeah, I wrote my first book um, 10 years ago and uh, so I was only 28 at that time and my husband was working away and my children were young. So I think that's a pretty common story with authors. They tend to start writing at that stage and I just had this great idea pop into my head and having a mother who also wrote books, although she was never published, I never considered it something that I couldn't do. So, and I, and I just thought it was something that was acceptable and easy and you know everyone can write a book and um I wrote a book and it wasn't fantastic as probably all first novels are but um yeah I just persevered and four books later I was still not published and I thought I need to actually 
uh, learn my craft a little bit better. And that's when I applied for university and uh, started studying my Master's of Writing, Editing and Publishing at the University of Queensland. And basically everything changed at that point. And I can't credit it to going to university. I can't credit it to maybe just having uh, learnt more through writing lots of words. But um, I got my first contract and it was only a very small one and it was for um, an a e-book with HarperCollins and it was a trial they were running when e-books were first coming out to see how they can sell a romance anthology. So I became a part of that and got my first story contracted for that and then there was just a roll on after that yeah now isn't it amazing everybody uh jackie there's so much to unpack in there and we'll certainly talk about where ideas come from as as we go through but the fact that you've only been published for the last five or so years and you're published because the publishers were experimenting with <laughs> ebooks now joanna penn listen to this <laughs> <laughs> because you know it's crazy it's um ebooks are almost as mainstream with um traditional publishers now as they are with indies, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely they are. And if not, probably more mainstream with all your self-publishing coming through and all your big publishers have an e-book side to them and they've got a million e-book imprints for all the big publishers. So it's definitely a mainstream thing now. So it's quite difficult. It's quite hard to believe that it was only really five years ago that they were kind of really just emerging yeah, and you mentioned a couple of anthologies. Now, I know you've got an anthology. You've got a book in an anthology with Rachel Johns. You've got a book in anthology with Darry Fraser. Now, they're all beautiful guests of the podcast here. Uh, is it, was it one of those that you, that you published an anthology with or is it, uh, have you got another one that I missed? Yeah, well, it's the very original one was an anthology called URL Love and it was the only other person I can think of that I know was Ros Baxter. She happened to have made that anthology as well and they were just very short stories and it was about romance in the modern age so we had to use some kind of technology like texting or twitter or you know because that was all new then too which is i feel like really so much has happened in five years yeah and it's incredible everybody i, I keep telling everyone i read a quote the other day and it was in um the um, um what was it crushing it um book that i'm reading at the moment by um Vander Chuck or whatever his name is. I apologise, um, Mr. Crushett, I've forgotten your name. Uh, but basically he said back in the olden days in 2009 when people used to use their phones to call people. And I thought how true it is now. I carry my iPhone around and it's my computer. I do all my work on it. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. And it's my social media hub. And it's the first thing I look at when I wake up and the last thing I'm looking at when I go to bed. So I understand that. Yeah, and we're trying to change that, everybody. We're trying to, everybody, put your phones in another room. I've decided, I've made it a rule in my house and we're all failing miserably. Uh, but it, it's interesting uh, when it comes to, as you said, you now have a Master of Letters. Um, yes. Which is, which is very impressive. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah, now talk to us a little bit because this is something that I, I'm very interested in. Um, when you did your Master of Letters, how do you think that improved your writing? Well, there's two sides to this story. And the first one, um, I actually applied to do a Master of Writing, Editing and Publishing at UQ. So I did uh, four uh, units there, but I had to move and it was an on-campus course. So that was uh, a lot different. It was 
quite prescribed coursework. They told me what to do, what to study, but that in itself was very practical and very industry based and very current. So everything that I was learning there was very practical. And um, I got a lot of contacts. Uh, Kate Cuthbert was one of them, who's the managing editor of Escape Publishing. She came and did a talk there. I connected with her on Twitter. Six months later, she's my, you know, she's contacted me for my uh, second book, which is The Paler Shade of Autumn. So because my husband works in mining and construction, we had to move, which is very common in my life. So I couldn't finish that particular postgrad work. So I reapplied with Central Queensland University. And this was very creative writing based and it was very self-directed research based study and I had set assessments but the way I had to complete the units was to um, do the set assessments which were poems, short stories and then my dissertation which was a 20,000 word uh, story and then I had to do what was called a critical analysis or an exegesis, which was an unstructured self-reflection of my writing process. And that was the most amazing thing that I have done. And it has helped me immensely with my writing from that day forward, because through my own reflection of where I get my ideas from, how they all connect together, how, you know, at the age of five, something happened in my life and that then connects to a podcast conversation that I've heard about and then all of a sudden I've got a story but it also made me more aware of the choices that I make with my writing I think beforehand I was very unaware of why I chose a specific point of view why I chose a specific tense and this these self-reflections made me more conscious of the choices I make and why I make them and I think that's improved my writing immensely yeah, and and as you're studying and as you, as you're going through, you were writing the whole time as well, weren't you? <laughs> yes, I was. Yes, but thankfully I'd actually stopped working as an accountant at that time, so I did have more hours in the day. But yeah, I was writing, and I found the workload not too immense with the with the masters at CQU. At UQ, it was very hectic, and I wouldn't have been able to write doing it there. But yeah, I was able to balance the both of them. Yeah, for our international listeners, everybody, the UQ and the CQU and all those, they're just university names here in Australia, a bit like Harvard <laughs> and yeah. Oxford, only, only not quite as prestigious. Um, yeah, uh, but it, it's really, it's, it's an interesting thing now because I'm noticing more and more on the internet there are some horrendous um, words going up in print and there are some horrendous, just very basic mistakes that just make me want to crawl under the table. Um, the thing is they're all publishing and I'm not. Um, but when I see the yeah. word just emblazoned, um, you know, up in tabloid and people are proud of it, I, I cringe away. And my daughter and I ended up having this conversation about how language is always evolving and a lot of my language is now um, being tossed into the antiquated box <laughs> as she and yeah. I fight, as she and I fight, um, fight about words. Did you find when you did your editing um, part of your course that they were very strict about, about how you go about your editing? Absolutely. Um, with the Master of Letters at Central Queensland University, there was no specific editing course. It was all creative writing. But at the University of Queensland, I did what was called a professional communication course. And 
I feel as though that was a real game changer for me um, and a life changer because coming from a, my background where it wasn't until I actually went and studied a post-grad course that I realised how limited my grammar knowledge was. I thought I did okay. I worked as a professional accountant for 10 years and I'm mortified, I'm mortified now knowing what I know that I didn't know there were specific rules for commas other than when you take a breath. I mean, that was what I was taught. So I was on the real back foot when I started that course and I was, you know, in my spare time reading um, grammar for dummies to try and catch up, you know, what's an independent clause and how do I use a semicolon and a colon? And uh, the, the professional communication course was very strict but brilliant. It's what I needed to know and knowing your grammar, knowing um, the, the rules, you then know when you can break them. But, I mean, there are specific grammar rules that you cannot break. But I feel it's given me a, a sense of freedom. And also it has allowed me now to talk on the same level as the industry professionals, whereas before I realised that was I was falling a lot short in that area. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really interest, interesting comment, being able to hold your own with the industry professionals. Uh, I know I see it even amongst our own romance writers. Oh, grammar, I'm really bad at that. I let the editor worry about that. And I go, oh, please don't say that in public. Uh, but they do and they're proud of it. Um, whereas I think if any other um, profession didn't um, pay attention, we'd be very disparaging disparaging of them but we allow our writers to get away with ha, it's okay I didn't I don't know any grammar it's okay someone else will worry about that and I thought well no actually I, I think we should actually hold ourselves to to account and especially with romance novels um because we cop such a uh, a flogging I guess and there are so many professional women out there who work to a very high standard and very highly educated women too who take great pride in their romance novels and it, it disappoints me when um, we get, you know, some people coming in and, and letting down the side because people like to take a swipe. And I, I'm hoping the days of um, people talking about romance writing in a disparaging way have long gone. Um, do you think that's more the case nowadays with all our conferences and professional bodies that support us? Oh, I'm not sure. I really don't think so. I see so many articles written and just an example was the New York Times with... Um, Oh, the New Yorker, sorry, with the the uh, the critique that they gave romance novels and it was quite patronising and I thought, oh, we're still here. We're still arguing about this. I think there's uh, that there's been a lot of progress made but I, I do not think that the, the way romance is discredited has stopped at all. Yeah, and it's a bit sad, everybody. So if you're listening to this, please um, hold yourself to a high standard. I, I, I think we should all be doing courses and we should all be learning our basics um, and doing our grammar and learning what, um, you know, first person is. I actually taught a course this week and it's um, I didn't know what, um, what was it, direct and indirect characterisation was because I'd never heard that expression before. You know, I'm only 56 and been an English teacher forever. And they were talking <laughs> about show, don't tell. And I thought, well, why didn't you say show, don't tell? Why did you make it so complicated? Um, but I think maybe our teachers have a lot to answer for as well. But moving right along and off my hobby horse, everybody. Um, <laughs> but I did see that, Jackie, that you have those qualifications and a Master's, Master of Letters is certainly something um, 
to be very proud of and how you work so hard to get it. But in tandem with writing all those books, I was particularly enamoured with um, The Brothers of the Vine, which is what caught my eye in that that beautiful photo, everybody. Jackie had a picture up of all her novels that she'd published and there were 10 of them and then I read on your website, no, there's 12 and now you've just mentioned 15. So this little nest of eggs is growing exponentially as we speak. The Brothers of the Vine, do you think they're the best um, ones that you've written yet or are they just got just beautiful covers? Oh, definitely the best I've written for sure. Uh, and and I can tell by the feedback that I get. And I just knew it, it in myself when I was writing them that it, it was hitting a place inside of me. So I thought there's no way this can't be touching my readers. And my skill level at this point is probably the best that it has been. And, and I've been trying to take on more complex tasks and... I've needed that as a writer. I think I felt a bit uh, bored uh, just and I needed to get out of my comfort zone and these three novels address grief so they've been an, a very emotional journey for me to write them and it was and I, I finished the last one in December last year and I do think that's probably my best novel that I've ever written so Hopefully others agree. <laughs> now, number one and number two are published. Um, I believe Tom was the was the hero of the first one. Uh, yes. Then Mitch. Mitch is the third one. And oh, Sam, yeah, Sam is the, the second one, which is The Sweetest Secret, which was released on 4th of June. Yeah, now I was doing really well, guys, there, and I've mucked it up. Sorry. Um, so we are waiting for the best to come, everybody. We're waiting for, for Mitch to turn up, and he turns up in December, doesn't he? He does, and I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> and you're coming through soon. <laughs> All right. One of the questions that intrigues me, and when I saw your series, your your three um, brothers of the vine, what's different about writing a series as to writing some of those earlier ones? Um, now I know you've got a beautiful cowboy one happening there, a pale and a paler shade of autumn, which we'll talk mm -hmm. about in a minute. Um, what? What What was different about writing a series, and was it any harder, or was it in fact easier because you knew your setting? Well, I attempted a series earlier and I found I just couldn't ever write the second book. Um, but this time round, I think I was ready for it as a writer. I was ready for not only a character arc per book, but a character arc per series. So in the, in the first book, Mitch, even though he's not the, the central character, he does have a lot He's, he's got a big part in that book. So he grows from book one all the way through to book three. And I had to try and manage that, uh, especially when I'm dealing with grief. I had to try and be realistic in the way I managed it as well. And that part of it was complicated, but every other aspect was quite easy. I had the same setting. I had the same characters. And you'll see a lot of the characters make an appearance in all the books so that, that side of it was easy. I didn't have to sit down and start again with, you know, where's this going to be set? What, what do my characters do and do all the characterisation? It was already done. And I had the three synopsises done prior to starting the first book. So it, it was just a matter of writing them then. And I guess the other complicated part were the details. I had to make sure they were correct all the way through. I, I do know I had to change the age of someone because I'd, messed it up but other than that it was it was a good experience 
Yeah, and I know everybody. I've heard of people who have big wall charts and they keep track of all their characters' dates, ages, deaths and births and all the rest of it, and it just sounds like so much fun. But as you said, um, your growth as a writer, that, I think, again, when I, when I saw those pictures of all your books, I could almost see it in the book covers, uh, and, and I'm glad I found you when, you when I did because I knew that, that I guess that journey had already... Um, you'd already gone along that journey to a certain point. And it's interesting that you say your last book coming out is your very, very best. Uh, and it's um, everybody, they're about cupcakes and country towns. Now, there's a bit of a story behind the cupcakes, isn't there? There's a bit of a story about, um, I think you, some, one of them goes from the city to the country. Is that correct? Yeah, they do. They, um, it's Amy Jenkins and she's a, a pastry chef and she finds herself, she after opening a restaurant that fails she finds herself in a lot of financial trouble and as a way to kind of escape that she offers to help her friend in a small town by running her friend's cupcake shop while her friend is uh, having complications with pregnancy so is laid up in hospital but um yeah so she she runs this cupcake shop and there's a, a I guess my a magical realism aspect to it and a, a cupid theme and that comes through with the cupcakes yeah i think i mean i was hooked I, I just thought i like this is this is my kind of romance story everybody um but you've you've got a label that that interests me and it's what i want to talk about today you your label on your website is no ordinary romance now we're talking about cupcakes and country towns we're talking about heroes that we can all fall in love with yet we've got this no ordinary romance um and it's a really interesting story and i thought i thought i might hand over to you so you could start that what do you mean by no ordinary romance? Well, I, as a writer, I've, I've always felt a little bit different to other writers and I always felt the, the stories that I wrote were not mainstream and I've definitely found that in my publishing journey. I've always just had a very niche audience and I think that's just because my books do they are just a little bit different to what's probably being published in the mainstream. Um, so I think, you know, that comes from my, my own experience, I guess, with myself having felt my whole life being as though I'm a little bit different myself. And it was quite a, a revelation to see where that came from. And that just happened very recently when I realised that I had lived my whole life for... 38 years with autism spectrum disorder and didn't know it. And, um, and I, reflecting back on my stories, I went, oh, my goodness, this is why I wrote those stories. It's, it's about female characters who have differences and are trying to find their way in the world and trying to find that one person that they can truly connect with. And I just realised I was just making my subconscious conscious I was putting it out there in my stories yeah and and it's interesting we talk about diverse uh, diversity um, we talk about um, different different people in different times diversity is what we're all looking for in Okay, can you hear me? 
Yes, I can now. <laughs> okay, so we are 25 to 5. I've got no idea how my daughter's going to find that. Um, okay, <laughs> 435, and you just disappeared. All right, okay, okay, let's go. Um, okay, we're talking about diversity and, and heroines here, and we're talking about uh, Jackie's own experiences. Jackie, talk to me. Tell me about uh, how you found Escape publishing why you went with escape publishing and how that's helped you grow as an author because this is really exciting everybody I think I think we need more diversity not less yeah absolutely I agree with that um it was definitely not something that I consciously did but uh looking back I can see why I was drawn to escape publishing it's because they on their website that and how they tried to position themselves in the market and the types of authors that they wanted were those that couldn't get published anywhere else, were those that wrote romance that were different. And I went, oh, my goodness, that's me. That is me. So I thought I, I definitely fit in there and uh, I sent my first, which was actually my fourth manuscript, The Paler Shade of Autumn, into Kate Cuthbert, who was the managing editor and who still is the managing editor. And, yeah, after... A few changes that she made me make, she accepted it. So I think without knowing, she was accepting diversity way back then. <laughs> yeah, and and everybody, we think it's not much of an issue now, but I I wrote Mills and Boone back when when there was a formula. And we all deny it and we say there's not a formula, but there actually is. There are certain expectations around the genre and our readers have certain expectations that we try and meet. But I think as as readers now, we're actually looking for, um, I know Maggie Christensen writes older heroines, heroines and writes them beautifully. Um, we're looking for young heroines. We're looking for gay heroines. We're looking for all different types of experiences. And one of the things I think indie publishing has done so very well is it's opened up opened up a world where everybody can find the kind of book that they want to read. Um, I look at Amy Andrews and the stuff that she writes now and it just cracks me up because I love her writing. She is an amazing author. Um, but she, she makes me blush and I have to skip bits. Um, yes. <laughs> um, and, and that's just always going to be the same and, and I'll still continue to read her books because that's the way it is. Uh, as you were developing your confidence and, as you said, you're, you're writing better books than you ever have before, are you finding that you're taking more risks with your characters? Oh, absolutely. And not only with my characters but with the structures of the stories. Uh, I recently... I've, I have got another project that I've been working on and it's currently agented, so I haven't got a contract with a publisher yet, but... Uh, it's a women's fiction or a family saga and it, it's probably the most riskiest book I've, I've written and it's got five main characters and it's a dual timeline and it's written from the five characters' points of view and then there's, you know, secrets that are revealed all the way through it. So I think I took the greatest risks with those particular characters, because as you said before about specific needs within the romance genre, because this was, even though it had a romance thread running through it, it is a family saga. So I made my characters less likeable and I loved it. But I do remember sitting at my computer thinking, oh my goodness, are people going to like these characters or not? And 
I love um, everybody as we're talking here. Um, uh, no, I think we're okay. Everybody, we're, we're having all sorts of sound troubles, but I'm ignoring it and I'm pretending that it's not happening because remember, I live in I live in a big city in Australia, everybody, and I'm writing the CBD. We do not have a frozen. Uh, and as Jackie was talking just then, she had this little glint in her eye as she said she wrote characters that are not likeable. Um, I think that's absolutely fantastic that we can actually enjoy ourselves as writers and, and have a bit of fun doing those kinds of things as well. Um, Jackie, I know we have talked either on or off camera about the family sagas and your future directions. And again, everybody, how your writing evolves over time and it takes a little bit um, of confidence and you, as you grow as a writer, you try new projects. I call it always um, uh, the most interesting thing happens on the, or things happen on the edges. Now, I'm guessing with this family saga, it took you to a certain stage where you were confident to be able to attack such a mammoth uh, task. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you had have asked me five years ago to write something that was as complicated as this family saga, I would not have had the ability at all to do it. But I felt ready as a writer um, to tackle something a little bit more difficult. And the story was also calling to me. I, I was born in Tasmania, so I'd always had this calling to write something that was set in Tasmania. And my mother, so I have a mother and three aunties, and they're quite eccentric. And I, they inspired the story and it just, it flowed. I actually wrote this story. It's 110,000 words. And I ended up finishing it in about three months, but then I had all the edits and rewrites after that. But yeah, it was truly inspired. It has five points of view and it's a dual timeline. And I, I love the excitement of not really knowing what I was doing and having to work it out like a puzzle. And I think as a writer, that's where I was at. Yeah, and it's interesting, everybody, uh, as you grow, you set challenges for yourself. And as you said, your writing has become more dynamic. Uh, the last of your um, Vine trilogy was was the best thing that you've written. Then you turned around and wrote this 110,000-word novel. I remember at the very beginning of our conversation today, we talked about, uh, as as a writer, you're in it for the long haul and, and it's a career thing and... And you must be very proud of how, how much you've grown. I know we talked to Natasha Lister a few weeks ago and she talked about how she writes her dual narrative and she writes them in two linear um, uh, stories and then combines the two. Uh, I think sagas are certainly having a resurgence. Uh, 20 years ago, I just loved sagas. Um, and I wrote a very crazy one set on the Huon Valley in Tassie. Whereabouts in Tassie is your novel set? Uh, it was, it's in Campbelltown. And I used, there's a, an old building there called the Grange that I used as inspiration and it's, the, ha the manor that they live in is based on that old building, which I think was built in 1860 or something along those lines. Yeah, and Tasmania's history, everybody, maritime history, um, Van Diemen's Land, back with the old convicts. Uh, it is a, one of the most fascinating periods of, of Australian history, I think. Um, and if you've read anything of Richard Flanagan's, um, you will fall in love with Tasmania. And I think we've got... Um, there's a lot of writers down there now who 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 are telling some amazing stories. And I know there's some early, I think there was one I saw in the bookshops recently, everyone from Dimmix, and it was about the early uh, shipping industry, the maritime industry, which is um, just beautiful. Uh, you talked, you mentioned when you just explained to us there, you mentioned your flow. We're going to finish off with this, everyone. Um, but I felt it was a really good thing for all of us as writers to take on board. And Jackie has uh, done a little bit of writing about it. Uh, 
to get your ideas to come quite often we get frozen because we don't give ourselves the space and the time uh you mentioned flow what does that mean to you and how can we benefit from that well I think flow to me means something very different than it used to. So since I um, realised that I have autism spectrum disorder, I realised it's probably not so much flow, but uh, an a incredible focus into something that I'm really passionate and interested in. So I actually don't have much trouble getting into the flow. Um, I probably have more trouble with needing a lot of downtime after long periods of flow. <laughs> So that's that's where I am in regards to that. Yeah, and one hundred ten thousand words, everybody. There's a there's a lot of ideas <laughs> flowing. Um, we talked about finding a quiet place, um, closing your eyes, just spending some time with characters before you write asking them questions, listening to their answers. Now, I took that little piece of advice of yours and I took it to my kids at school. I said, let's give this a go. And, and allowing your characters to come in and, and sit with you a while and, and get to know them. Uh, Jackie, I think over a 10-year period, you, you have certainly got a lot to offer for us and I, I'd love to have you back again, especially when your sagas start coming out. That would be really exciting. Everyone, we've got the Brothers, brothers of the Vine, if you want to go out and, and get the first two in that series the third one's coming up uh jackie if you want to find jackie uh where do we find you jackie because you've got a great blog happening over there yeah i think the best place is on my website at jackieunderdown.com uh that will have all the links to all my social media sites and otherwise the harper collins website we all have our author profiles on there or facebook instagram twitter if you just type my name in it'll all come up yeah, and, and like all our beautiful romance writers here in Oz, um, I think we've got a very generous community. So if you're thinking of writing romance or you do write romance or you're just starting out and you have a question, um, reach out because I, I know how generous Jackie can be and I know how generous all our writers are. Jackie, all the best with your saga. I'm assuming you're on to book two of that. Are you going to write more, more of that one or is that finished? Is that a standalone? Well, that's a standalone. So it's agented at the moment. I'm just hoping to see if I can sell it. And I've just been inspired with a new storyline, so I'm hoping to start that really soon. But I've got a house move in between, so I'll get that done and then I'll start writing again. <laughs> and remember, longevity, everybody. If we've got 13 books in 10 years, who knows what's going to happen in the next couple. Thank you very much for joining us, Jackie. Uh, everyone, you can find uh, me over at Writer on the Road, www.writerontheroad.com. You can find Jackie at www.jackieunderdown, not Underwood, I did it again. Uh, jackieunderdown.com.au uh, and we'll uh, see you again next week it's bye from me at Rider on the Road and bye from Jackie bye Jackie. <laughs> I love the lag we got everybody um, bye for now 